0: You adventurous armadillos, welcome back. Thanks for listening to another week of A Little Greener. We are a podcast all about nature, conservation, and sustainability. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Sarah. I am here with the Fantastic,
1: Casey.
0: Hey. It's <laughs> Casey and I are friends. We're former coworkers, conservation educators. We just enjoy all things nature related. And so we like to get together every week and talk about it. And we appreciate you listening in. So Casey, it's good to see you. I mean, Casey and I get to at least see each other via the screen. So it's good to see you again, Casey. It's good to see
1: your pixeled face. (laughs)
0: Uh,
1: (laughs) We actually, even when we lived in the same city together, never recorded this together, partially because it was pandemic times. Yeah. Um, but also because, um, it's a lot of work to leave the house and we can do things via zoom. So thanks zoom. Yep. Not sponsored. (laughs) Sarah, how's your week?
0: It was not great. I'm gonna be. <laughs> honest. There's a lot going on here. I, uh, if you're new to the podcast, I just moved across the country, and I'm still trying to figure out my life from that move. So it's been a little bit hectic this week. I have not gotten much done. I feel like I have been like one track mind trying to find a place to live. So I feel like I've disengaged from the world. I did not get any nature time other than walking the dog. Uh, although we did have a fun encounter this morning, yesterday morning.
1: Tell I me well, who, forget. who did you encounter?
0: So this is, I get up and I have to walk the dog at like 3.30 in the morning. So it's still dark Oof. outside. And I come out the like downstairs breezeway and there's like an immediate rustling and my dog just like whoosh and his ears go up and he's like what what is what is that and I look over and it's an armadillo yay an armadillo it's oh maybe, you started it out yeah, yeah. armadillos
1: there you go yep.
0: this may be my third time third or fourth time seeing a live armadillo in the wild
1: in the wild we briefly worked with an armadillo pickles pickles. Oh my goodness. If you've never seen an Armadillo like that close doing stuff, oh, real life, Pokemon, you'll fall instantly in love. I promise. Like, yeah, so cute. So that's so very cool. cool. That's an awesome encounter. I also had an animal encounter this week. <gasps> also when Andrew was walking the dog, <laughs> don't underestimate your nature time folks. You, you got, it <laughs> you never you got know. Yeah, You never know. So he said he was outside and he was hearing this like peeping noise from a tree. And he looked up and because he is a reptile person, he has like amazing eyes for seeing camouflaged things Mm -hmm. in trees and things. And he saw a flying squirrel. (gasps) Yes. Yes. So he comes inside and he was like, I saw a flying squirrel. And I was like, I'm obsessed. Like, please show me. We went outside. It was still there. I got to see a flying squirrel so i will post a picture thing. It was man so cool. i thought seeing the
0: armadillo was going to be i, I didn't no, even get the cool coolest too. nature story on today
1: <laughs> goodness so i don't know how common they are anywhere else but they actually have a huge range and i knew that they were around here and we have woods around here i did not know that they were like in my backyard yeah. so anyway i was like Oh, this is the coolest thing. And I hadn't seen my, we lived with my dad, but I hadn't seen him like regularly in a couple of days. And so he came in and I was like, Oh, we got to tell him about the story. So I was like, dad, we saw a flying squirrel. And he, I was expecting elation like you and me. (laughs) I have never seen a man look like that's one more problem on my plate. (laughs) And I was like, oh no, oh no. And apparently flying squirrels get into- your uh, house during the winter time. So circling back to our homework from last week, discovering some elements of what our animals do in the winter Mm -hmm. nearby. I looked it up during the cooler winter. If you have trees overhanging your house and flying squirrels living in those trees, if there are some openings in your attic, you might end up with flying squirrels. And this is where my dad was like, "I'll never sleep again." <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my goodness, which is, yeah, pretty like dramatic response to <laughs> one singular flying squirrel we saw in a tree like 200 feet away from the house. but uh, that is what
0: flying squirrels do That's in the so wintertime.
1: Really they They torpor and they huddle. They'll mm-hmm. huddle in groups together, but yeah. they don't hibernate. Yeah,
0: so. Yeah armadillos I I did look that up too armadillos burrow uh, obviously they burrow yes. anyway but that's yeah. that's just how they live so but that's how they'll get their winter protection too and obviously they only live in the south so yeah southern climates warmer
1: although there are some sightings of armadillos in southern Indiana they are expanding Were their range there? with climate change yeah. yes yeah. so cool both very cool nature sightings yeah. i am I'm, you know, for having very busy, not so much nature time weeks, we both had something yeah. <laughs> we can report. That's awesome. If you guys have any of those nature sightings, tag us in them because well, I was super excited. This is the highlight of my week. <laughs> Did you get a
0: picture of the?
1: Yes. And I'm going to post it. Yes, I can't My wait. new uh, phone has a incredible nighttime camera where you have to like hold it still for like three seconds for proper exposure but it'll be kind of one of those i spy pictures i can't say because it's basically black and white Mm -hmm. but the squirrel's like super like it's in there i promise it's in
0: there (laughs) that's so cool i didn't have my phone with me so no pictures for mine
1: armadillos can be fast too so this this flying squirrel's like just don't look at me please
0: so (laughs) (laughs) so cool. I've never seen one. That That's my first time. Yeah.
1: So we were originally going to do this episode on a different topic. And then, um, I found that that topic was rather unwieldy and needed perhaps a PhD degree to really like understand the full implications of, but we're instead going to do a a slightly different topic. I, I will say Because I changed my topic maybe four hours before we're recording this podcast, this is not a deep dive. This is going to be a shorter episode, Um, and we're going to talk about COP26 and what happened there. But, Sarah, what are your Thanksgiving plans? Happy Thanksgiving, all our American compatriots. Happy
0: Thanksgiving, yes. Um, Undetermined. I have a, a couple of friends down here that have... Offered me their homes uh, for the holiday, so that's very Hopefully. nice of them. So, uh, I do, yeah, I, I do get the day off, which is nice, just because it happens to fall on, on my regular day off. So,
1: yeah, <laughs> uh, that's
0: a nice, a nice surprise. So, it will either be me and the dog relaxing, probably watching the Thanksgiving Day parade, or uh, I may try to be social and uh, go have a friendsgiving elsewhere. about you sounds
1: nice this is my first year in like five or six years at home for thanksgiving so uh i am spending the day with my uh mom's side of the family and then um probably the day after with my dad's side of the family so we are covering lots of bases trying to stay covid safe but uh that's kind of the name of the game this time of year once again but uh I'm excited, happy, this is coming out on Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving Yay. listeners. Hopefully you're on your way somewhere or relaxing and you're, yes. you're listening to our, our voices and, uh, and looking forward to learning a little bit about what COP26 is because it was in the news a lot, but they didn't really tell you why is it called that? <laughs> what did they even do there? It was really long. Um, so stay tuned and we'll talk about it. Welcome back to the main portion of our episode where we're going to talk a little bit about COP26. I do want to thank uh, CNBC, the Council for Foreign Relations, Vox, Washington Post, lots of places for lots of good articles um, about this event. Sarah, are you familiar with COP26? Do you know what that is?
0: Yes. So I'm familiar with it. I knew it was happening. Again, I I sort of, it just hadn't been... Too many things going on in my brain. I hadn't really focused on it. Sure. Uh, wh- wh- but I knew that it was happening. It is funny, though, that it was not until you texted me today and we were like, hey, let's do this for our podcast that I was like, I don't even know what it stands yeah. for. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I knew what it was, I knew what was happening, but I just, you know, you see the letters in the news, and my brain is like, C is for climate, C is not yes. for climate. <laughs> my brain really wants C to be for climate. It has nothing to do with climate, uh, but so I don't, I didn't until about 45 minutes ago know what it stands for, but I did do at least have a vague idea of <laughs> what it is and that it was happening. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, my brain was like, okay, so like climate of Paris, because I knew I had something to do with the Paris climate agreement, but then I was like 26. No, yeah. there's no 26 years. So yeah, so yes, it's, it's kind of interesting. It is? Yeah, it so is.
0: the, the COP stands for conference of the parties, which is still a little bit weird to me. Uh, and it's a United Nations, basically governing entity. And they have met, for this is the 26th annual conference of the party, so that their 26th annual conference on climate in particular um, that the United Nations has put together. So this year, because it was the 26th annual, it's COP or COP26 and was in Scotland this year.
1: Glasgow, Yes. Um, and they, I, for me, one of the things that was striking about the news coverage is I was like, if it's the 26th one, I feel like we didn't hear right. about this before. Agreed. Um, it's worth noting that the 2021 was basically canceled slash postponed because of COVID. So mm-hmm. that's why you wouldn't have heard about, about it last year. The sorry, go ahead. Well,
0: I was just gonna say, well, I do, I mean, I do feel like I have heard about it more, more recently, but the 26 surprises me for that, that it's been going on for that long.
1: So for reference, the Paris climate accords came out of cop 21. So we call it the Paris climate agreement Mm -hmm. or whatever you want, want to label it. Typically we refer to it by Paris, but it was at the conference of parties 21. And, uh, I think it's a good thing that we heard about This Because it means that we expected important things to happen and that the cable news, because I I don't really watch cable news, except I live with my dad and he watches lots of cable news. And there was a lot of coverage on this. Um, Part of that is because uh, it was two weeks long, which seems absurd. That's a really long time, but there was a lot to discuss. Um, But I think people are more interested in in it now and realize that this was a big deal um, because it's five years after Paris. They were reconvening to kind of discuss those goals that were put forth in the Paris climate agreement and see if we were matching them, if we could ramp them up a little bit. And and so over the course of time it felt like nothing was getting done. And according to some experts I was listening to, they said basically yes, nothing was going to get done to like the last two days. Um, because that's actually when like push comes to shove, they had to have some sort of agreement out. And so I want to talk a little bit about what they agreed upon. Sarah, we don't have to go in the order. I kind of have it here. Do you know of anything that was like actually accomplished during COP26?
0: Well, not a whole lot in detail. I've been reading some summaries from the BBC actually. So in addition to all of those sources that you uh, cited there to kick us off, the BBC has some good just like summary articles. They don't go into a whole lot of depth, but if you're looking for just a quick rundown, uh, you can check there. So, I mean, they signed some pledges. The, The overall gist of what I got from it is it sort of feels like they all came together, and as you say, you know, things sort of happened in the last couple of days, and they even kind of extended an extra day to get some of these agreements hammered out. And it sort of feels like they got together and said, okay, we're gonna do some of these things, but we're not really gonna do this until like, they're gonna come back and meet again next year about some things. (laughs) And and I'm just like, okay, I guess it's better than nothing. But but, so I know there was a pledge having to deal with, that. there was a lot of talk about the reduction of the use of coal. Mm-hmm. being one of them where they were talking about China and India kind of adjusted the wording uh, of that one that a lot of people weren't pleased upon- about. Yeah, let's talk about that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, go for it. yeah,
1: let's talk about that a little bit. So how much of, of the world's power do you think is generated by coal right now? Do you have a guess?
0: Specifically coal?
1: Specifically coal.
0: Um... I, uh... You know, years ago, I taught a program about different types of energies. I probably should know. I don't know 30%. You got
1: it right, right on. It's 30%. Really? Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. 30% of the world's energy comes from coal, which, like, I'm excited you're right because I want you to be um, right about things, but also sad because that seems like way too much Yeah, no, uh, percentage of- I was just really excited <laughs> to be right. So, <laughs> um, so, so, yes. Um, and in certain places like China and um, mainly in Asia, there are still construction of new coal plants. So one of the websites I was reading, they they were arguing that coal is the single biggest contributor to climate change. Felt like it was a really bold claim that I, I can't necessarily say like, that is correct yeah. because I've done my research. But if 30% of the world's energy comes from coal, coal we know emits carbon dioxide and lots of other things um i believe including methane that is a huge issue that so many of our our world's countries are reliant upon coal and so what activists wanted and genuinely like if you are realistically looking at our chances of reducing our emissions and meeting our our target goals which we can talk about a little bit we have to basically phase out coal. And so the original phrasing was phase out coal and it was negotiated to phase down coal. So basically it's not a commitment to elimination. It's a commitment to shifting some of our energy over to other places. So I think for activists, I think it's a really fair critique to be disappointed by this wording because like we really have to make some aggressive moves on climate, and being like we're going to talk about, you know, reducing coal rather than saying our goal is to have zero coal. I feel like when you have zero coal, you're going to actually be able to then put targets dates on there. Right. Um, phase down is a very vague sort of yeah. statement.
0: And I, I always struggle with things like this because I recognize that these are big, complicated issues that mm-hmm. I only know a tiny, tiny piece about. So I always feel like I'm not qualified to have a thought or a critique. You know, so so I, I just want to say that, first of all, that we do recognize that these are very complicated issues. Yes. But yeah, I also agree with what you just said. We do need to take action and this part of the reason aside from just things going on in my life right now that i didn't follow this super closely is that it does it all just sort of feels like just words yeah to me you know so we have this agreement it's probably better than nothing it's going to disappoint some people it's an agreement it's not a law Right, You know, there's no, that, and so that's the, some of the articles that I was reading talked about how we've, we've done some of these things in the past. We've had agreements about some of these things in the past and they haven't happened. We haven't followed through with them. Right. So that's the other part is I'm just like, okay, well, here's what came out of it. Now we have to follow through. Like, let's actually do what we said we're going to do. And so when yes. you change a word, it like instead of phase out, to phase down, I feel like that makes it even harder to actually get those actions going.
1: I I very much agree with it. Like you said, it's complicated. Like when when we're balancing getting people electricity, which will change the quality of their lives and save people's Mm -hmm. lives. Like, that is something that these nations have to wrestle with. A lot of these countries are starting to have populations of a billion or more people. Like, that's not an easy task to accomplish. But when we start making vague wording and when we start putting dates out that are like 2050, 2070, um, those sort of long-term targets are kind of too late like, and, and feel very unenforceable. It's hard yeah. to be like, hey, you said you would do this by 2050, and they're like, yeah, and I still have 30 years to do it, so get off my back, I'll get it done in the last five. Like, It's it's just much more hard to, to put some sort of enforcement mechanism or um, even just political pressure because it's too long of a timeline to make sure that you have the important uh, increments measured out. So yeah, that I think was a kind of a disappointing part of it, but not nothing. It's not nothing. Right. And that's, I, I want to say not to skip ahead, but kind of what I think the general um, opinion of this is, is that COP26 was not nothing, yes, <laughs> but it might not have been exactly what we want. Now something, let's go to some good news. There was a methane pledge. So now there's more than a hundred countries that the U S and the EU both have committed to reducing methane emissions. And so we're looking to cut 30% of the methane emissions um, by 2030, which is kind of a measurable, like eight years from now, you gotta make some, some significant impact um, from the 2020 levels. Sarah, we've talked about methane in the past. Why is methane like a particularly important thing to regulate?
0: So methane is another greenhouse gas. So we hear about carbon dioxide a lot, but methane is a, very potent greenhouse. Yes.
1: Yes. And in some of our, um, the articles I was reading, they cited it's 84 times more potent than CO2. And I was glad they used this number because this assumes a shorter time period and methane doesn't stay in the atmosphere as long as carbon does. So if you kind of like were to say over a hundred year time span, it looks like it's not as bad, but in the immediate future, which is honestly what we all need to be caring about right now, (laughs) um, who cares in a hundred years basically everyone's going to be dead who is alive currently today the human race will be okay but like this basically tells you like it's very important for the near future that we get this under control so six of the top 10 producers of methane signed on unfortunately russia india and china um who collectively emit 35 percent of the world's methane according to cnbc uh did not sign on to this and i don't think that they were well represented at cop 26 anyway i'm pretty sure china just didn't at least their leadership did not attend. That was something that people were really concerned about, especially with some of the diplomatic tensions between the U.S. and China. But one of the, what did I put it under a section that was like vague, but potentially important (laughs) things um, is that U.S. and China pledged to work together on climate policy. That's a big deal. Yeah. Those are two of the biggest players in the game. Yeah. And then also under that category, I have the, we're all going to come next year with better pledges. (laughs) just Um. made
0: me laugh. I mean, (laughs) in a, in a sad sort of way, it just felt like, I don't know.
1: Yeah. I mean, so uh, I'll talk about one more thing in a moment, but basically the target for countries has been to reduce (laughs) emissions to 1.5 degrees Celsius over a certain period of time, it's important to note that we have already warmed by, I think, 1.1 degrees. So like, this is not like, ah, we got some wiggle room. It's like, no, we're kind of getting up close to the edge. Um, A lot of serious scientists are like, unless something drastically changes, we probably won't meet that target. We're probably looking at more like two degrees. (laughs) And even from just COP26, They were saying that this probably actually gets us to about 2.4. Now each 10th of the degree matters. Like I think it's the way climate change is sometimes framed is like, we got to stop it. And it's like an on or off switch. And once we hit a certain point, it's past worth, like we can't do anything like the 1.5 degrees. That's not a true framing, right? Sarah, like that's kind of misleading. Right.
0: And yeah, I just, I don't think that's helpful for anybody to. So if that's the way that you think about it, change the way that you think about it, because I do think that that leads to more sort of discouragement and despair type of feeling as well. Right.
1: The 1.5 target is to avoid some of the worst aspects, but each 10th of a degree matters. Like if we stop at 1.6, That is better than stopping at 1.7. Like the, the, every degree we can get matters. So what this sort of ended up doing was saying, everybody's still pretty much in the game for, from Paris. Nobody's like, even though the US left at one point and is now back in it, it's not like everybody's given up and said like, we tried it now and nobody's actually achieving the things that they said they would, even though that's kind of what's happening. They're like, but we still want to do it. <laughs> like we still want this to happen. And, and there's some, I think really good that that's, that's not nothing. That's, that's the not nothing part. That's a good thing. Um, activists had some, some issues because do you know who represented the biggest amount of delegates at cop 26, Sarah, like what entity, the fossil fuel industry, Mm. um, the fossil fuel industry sent more people than any one country. Now, some of the delegates that are like considered fossil fuel people are also sometimes represented under a country as well. But like, if you think about some of the countries, it's like, well, I'm in the government, but I'm also president of the oil industry for this mm-hmm. country. Like they have incentive. So a lot of activists really felt underrepresented and felt like it, it's disingenuous to say that co- fossil fuel industry is like very dedicated to helping out with that climate change issue. Just we're green. It's fine. <laughs> um we're with you. Just don't put regulations on right. us. So um so that was A challenging part I think for people who want really wanted to see big changes out of this particular conference. Sure.
0: I have mixed feelings about that too because yeah I get that but also it's like I I don't want them to not be there like maybe we can keep shoving them in the right direction. I don't know. I mean, so
1: businesses have made huge change like even though the us pulled out of Paris for a little bit there, businesses continue to push a lot of the green infrastructure and also cities and states as well versus mm-hmm. federal governments. But like at the end of the day, these guys want to make money off yeah. of a portfolio that necessitates climate change. so unless they start diversifying, <laughs> yeah, they're real like it it's hard to take them seriously yes. Yeah. Yeah. I like, think I'm
0: I'm being too um naive is not the word I'm looking for. I'm just being too, I mean, I guess it is naively optimistic. I
1: mean, but, but they're guess, there I to represent yeah. their
0: own interests.
1: It's just hard to say, like, um, yeah, we support these things that include the extinction of our business model. Yeah. Um, yeah. so And and just all the steps they've taken in the past to really like gaslight the American public about the existence of climate change. Like that's another thing to note. This is not a, was not a debate about like some of us think it's important and some of us don't think it exists. It was mostly a, we all actually agree that this is a crisis. It's just how much do I have to do about it? Like what's my country's responsibility in all of this? So for example, I think under that, uh, what I considered the underwhelming stuff. So one of those I talked about earlier, India pledged to reach net zero by 2070, which fake goal in my opinion to, and, and to source 50% of its energy from renewable sources by 2030. That's a real goal. That's like a, a real timeline. Um, but the other thing is there's a fund called the adaptation fund. Are you familiar with that, Sarah? Cause this is the first time I heard of it. No, I'm not it was established in 2001 to finance adaptation efforts in developing countries to the effects of climate change. And so basically, places like the Maldives, um, that are one of the first countries that's going to go underwater, basically, places in Africa, where they're getting hit hardest are going to need additional funding, despite being the ones who are not responsible for the majority of uh, emissions that are causing climate change. And so this was set up saying, like, hey, richer countries pour some money into this fund, and then we'll deliver this out to places to help, in some cases, relocate people or make sure that food supply chains stay safe as the climate changes. And this year it received $356 million in new support. This is about the net worth of Will Smith. <laughs>
0: I I think it's it a co- great comparison. <laughs> well, I mean like
1: you hear like I, it's the same thing when the Amazon was on fire and countries were like we're going to commit 20 million dollars to this. And I'm like that's nothing. That's like on some of our GDP like a rounding error. Like we we put together so much money And this is like an insultingly little amount. One person in the United States who is not even close to the richest person in the United States is worth about the same as uh, this year's contributions for the adaptations funds. This is even more galling when you find out that the estimated cost of adaptation for the continent of Africa per year is between 20 and 30 billion dollars. So this doesn't even cover one-tenth of the budget per year for an entire continent (laughs) Um, when other places like India are also going to be seeing a lot of these uh, impacts as well. So that is upsetting. Also, even worse, um, in good news, uh, people pledged to start to cut out unnecessary fossil fuel subsidies. So if you're not familiar, the government gives money to fossil fuel industries or to offset consumer costs for things like um, mostly gasoline, but also other forms of energy. And the world spends $420 billion on subsidizing non-renewable energy per year. And we gave $356 million to developing countries. So uh, I found that that stuff... uh, a fairly underwhelming. I guess they want to restructure by 2025. They're going to restructure this fund. Yeah. Um,
0: okay. Maybe that's what I was reading. Cause I had read something about a, a bigger fund to help developing countries. So maybe that's what this, that what you were just referring to is that, yeah, they're working on restructuring this, but I also read that there had been a previous pledge to help developing countries that we just didn't meet. We just didn't, we don't we just do, didn't no. do it. So
1: this one's like the adaptation fund. I think I forget exactly what the other one's called, but it's like a cost and repair. Like it's some gotcha. something like that. But yes. They want to launch a new f- structure for this, but yeah. And, and overall, like, I think this sort of, even though this is kind of the bummer part of it, I think it is actually a little microcosm of overall how climate change globally is being addressed too little money is given to the people affected most by the people who are causing the most damage. We are still supporting the use of fossil fuels, even though we are supporting the use of renewable energy in the U S the subsidies for fossil fuels are at least twice that for renewable sources of energy. So this is not like an, like there are steps we can take and it's not a, a, well, we don't have any money. We're using money in other ways um, that is supporting the continuation of our climate changing um, in a way that's going to damage a lot of things. So in addition to that, like, you know, at this, this conference, we have so many fossil fuel executives. There was a youth protest, which I thought was really awesome. Um, There's a lot of indigenous folks who came, a lot of people from marginalized communities talking about how climate change particularly impacts the, the least powerful of us. Um, and hopefully, at COP27, <laughs> we can start to see a sort of pivoting in yeah. this. Right right now, it, it felt like a, okay, yeah, we're still all here. But like, hopefully the bigger and better ideas that they're supposed to bring back next year really are a r- real change in the framework that we're currently operating with rather, rather than sort of inching along the same path that we have been. Yeah,
0: we can hope that maybe this is like the starting snowball that we can start pushing down the hill and building up and getting some steam.
1: Yes, I agree. And hopefully there's some stuff that we can do to help that out. So if you stick around, we will end our episode with some things that you can do. All right, and we are back with our challenge for the week. Sarah, sometimes it's hard to keep positive when you're talking about climate change. So where where do you find hope in thinking about climate change?
0: You know, we talked about this in one of our earlier on episodes of A Little Greener, just in general, where we find hope and how to stay positive. I don't know, though, that I have a very specific answer for you when it comes to climate change in particular. For me, what I need to do to stay positive, this is maybe going to sound terrible, but like we just talked about with COP26, I didn't follow it super closely. And for me, that sort of is what I need to do sometimes. I'm already motivated, I already care about the environment, I don't feel like I need to hear the stats and statistics and predictions and all of that sometimes. So not true for everybody, but I think for me, part of the way that I stay positive is to shut out those things that I know are just gonna be kind of noise in my brain. And I do just focus on what I can do each day, making the next right choice that I know that I can do. Whether that's an action for me personally, or as Casey has helped to push me forward into doing, you know, getting involved in my own uh, local, state, federal government as issues come up, things like that. But I think sometimes for me, I I have to disengage a little bit to stay positive. I don't want to get Caught up in the doom and gloom and mentality that can sometimes come across if you're super tuned into it all the time.
1: Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I if you're someone who is more burnt out by like the constant updates, make sure that you're taking measured breaks. <laughs> um, don't don't let that check out entirely, but like continue. Right. To yeah, motivate your life, but it's the holidays. Lots of things are stressful, but you're gonna be hanging out potentially with people that you love. And I don't think it's a good idea necessarily to get into an argument this Thanksgiving over the table about uh, climate change, because we know that you probably won't change anybody's minds by getting into a fight, and then your mom's just going to be mad at you for <laughs> for being the cause of the tension. But uh, I do think that it's important to reinforce that shared value that nature is important and inherently good, and and things like we want a safer world for our children and um, and the future of humanity. So, uh, if you want to talk to your <laughs> folks around the table about it. Maybe share some cool experiences that you've had in nature with wildlife, with, uh, with you know, the kids connecting them. If sometimes the house gets a little too crowded, you want to go outside and jump in some leaves. You can show your mm-hmm. nieces and nephews some cool bugs out there. Do that. Try and connect them to nature. Because even if you have opposing political views, just making sure that we connect everyone nature and the environment does not have to be a partisan sort of thing. Um, but kind of speaking about politics, uh, that that's kind of my first very passive homework, share a nice story about nature, get some of your family involved in outside. I love Um, that. I think that that's a really good way to spend the holidays. That's going to be a goal of mine. I'm going to try and get my little cousins to go outside with the dog and I, and, uh, and go find some flying squirrels. Yes. Yes. Go out and find some flying squirrels. Don't hopefully dad. don't tell my dad. Cause I'll be really stressed out. Um, but challenge number two is to reach out to your representative on whatever level you want and let them know that you want to see good climate policy. So one of the things right now is in the house of representatives, they just passed the build back better agenda that is going to the Senate that has over $500 billion, which is way more than we're giving developing nations to spend on climate. And that's going to make, it's one of the biggest investments we can make in climate. So even if you don't like everything else in the bill, talking to your representative about why that particular part of it is important to you. That's, that's important. Like this doesn't have to be a complete split down partisan lines. This can be, I like this part of it. And I want you to know because they're going to be hearing voices from both sides. And sometimes it's whoever is loudest is the one who, who gets to win. Um, And for this, like, just let them know, regardless of the rest of your political views that you like, climate spending and you can look into it and figure out like what part of the climate spending that you really, really like. So that's a good thing that you can do. Um, hopefully when you're not shopping on black Friday, because black Friday is my least favorite holiday (laughs) in the U S just make sure you're not overspending on that. And instead you're calling up your representative saying, Hey, I I'd love to have some money in the budget for climate.
0: Thanks Casey for that peek into cop 26 that's just scratching the surface folks so yes we can maybe post some resources for you too there was one on trees that we didn't get to talk about we didn't talk about
1: deforestation at all that
0: one but i'm yeah so there's there's some interesting things in there if you start to read about what they talked about but hopefully you enjoyed that little sneak peek we really appreciate you coming back to listen this week hope that again those of you in the u.s hope you had a happy thanksgiving and if you would like to reach out to us you've got a few different ways we are on facebook you can just search a little greener podcast or on instagram at a little greener pod you can email us at a little greener podcast at gmail.com
1: and we have very specific things that we're actually looking for this week, because we're going to try and focus a little bit on how to green up your holidays in the next couple of weeks. So send us things that you do to keep your holidays green. If that's something you cook, if that's a way that you go about gift buying or decorating, why do you do the things that you do? How have you been thoughtful, full about the environment during this time of year when we're all consuming a lot of things and and send them to one of those email addresses, Instagram, whatever you want, because we're going to talk about that and hopefully crowdsource some some ideas from you guys, our listeners as well. Um, And so you can get a shout out on the episode and be uh, like a semi-famous person, right? (laughs) I always feel semi-famous when they're
0: like, oh, this person
1: commented yeah
0: yeah we've got listeners around the world so and we appreciate you yes yeah whatever you do to be green around this time of year for the holidays tag us share email comment whatever you like we'd love to hear
1: from you. and until then stay safe and thanks for listening